Welcome to this week's presentation from Bethesda, a church community where anyone can belong. We hope that the following presentation encourages you in your faith journey. Thanks for listening. As a pastor, to see people go through the most difficult circumstances and come out on the other side of those circumstances with a, a, a bigger faith is something really uh, incredible to watch. And at times, it can be very painful to watch uh, people go through uh, pivotal moments in their lives, especially painful moments. But as a pastor, to watch that, you don't welcome it, but when you see people go through it, you see them journey through some of the deepest moments in their lives, and they come out on the other side of it saying, thank God. It's something that you, I'm sure, that, as I say pivotal moments, you're thinking of some of the moments you've gone through in your life, and you're going, yeah, I remember that. I know exactly what you're talking about, Pastor, and I would never wish it upon myself again, right? But as I look back at those moments in my life, as I look back at those pivotal, crucial, painful moments in my life, I can only say one thing, thank God, because he was there. And here's what I have learned through this negative circumstance in my life, that God grew, grew my faith. So let me ask you a question today, as I always most often provoke you with a question, uh, is it possible that God uses pivotal moments in our lives, in our life to grow our faith? Is it possible that what you are going through uh, in this moment in your life, that God can use that to, that moment, that pivotal moment in your life, that God could use it to grow your faith. And two things you need to remember, as I said, and that is don't ignore what God is saying to you today. And don't, and, and refuse the temptation to not open the door that God is asking you to open in this, in this moment. There's, there's this undeniable relationship between our circumstances and our faith. It's undeniable. If you journeyed in faith uh, either a bit long, you've recognized that God is trying to do something in our lives uh, in pivotal moments. And depending on where you are now, you may be in the questioning phase of that. And God, let me, let me say this. I ask God more questions than I've ever had in my life. I'm 45 years old. And it's not, nothing surprises God with questions. So there is an undeniable uh, relationship there. And it's no accident that when what happens to me in my life is meant to grow our faith in God. In fact, here's what James says about the relationship between your circumstances, pivotal moments in your life, and our faith. It says, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So James is saying, it is not an accidental that we face overwhelming circumstances and in the middle of it, something begins to happen to our faith in God. One of two things. Okay. And we'll talk about that in a minute. The very thing that we think would turn us away from God will almost always grow our faith and make us stronger if we will allow God to do that. This is the way God works and the way he has always worked. Now let me list some possible ingredients and you tell me if they grow your faith or kill your faith. Disappointment. Unmet expectations. Pain. Death. Bad timing. And you could list a number of other things that you've experienced in your life. 
And these uh, are all things that can turn us away from God. At least that's our first posture. But for some reason in this story, it became the recipe for a larger, a bigger faith in the middle of a real life situation, real circumstances. And here's what we're going to discover. It is uncomfortable in this story of Martha and Mary and Lazarus that Jesus, create, Jesus creates a negative journey in their life to do something in them, not to them. Hear what I said, in them, not to them. John 11 is the only recording of this story. And so it says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was at Bethany, the village of Mary and Martha, uh, of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Uh, so the sisters sent word to Jesus. He was several days away, several journey, several days journey away. Lord, the one you are sick, the one you love is sick. Now this is dramatic. Without saying his name, they knew Jesus would know who he is. In his ministry, Jesus has healed a lot of people, strangers, people he've never met before. So it's no, it shouldn't be any surprise that Jesus should come and respond to this pivotal circumstance in the life of the people that he loves. And it says, when he heard this, Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death. Okay, that sounds good. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, let's be honest. That's not the kind of glory that we like. Let's be honest. The kind of glory we like is when a football star receives a game-winning touchdown and stands on live TV and says, I give God all the glory. The kind of glory that we like is the kind of glory when you, your business grows because you, of a pivotal moment in your life and you're going, yes, thank God that my business is growing and you tell your unsafe friends, it's all for God's glory. Or when, when the Toronto Maple Leafs are down three to nothing <laughs> and you turn off your TV because you lack faith and then when you turn it back on, you're like, I've always believed that they were going to do this. I always believed it. You know, that's, that's the kind of glory we want to give God, Right? That's the con. But in John 11, Jesus is telling us there is another way we give God glory. It's the kind of platform when something painful is introduced to your life and God allows it to happen and he leverages his glory for it. No, it is for what? God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Through it. Just in case we missed it, it says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. John is telling us this again. They were close. It wasn't your average relationship, yet pain comes knocking at their door. And so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, in verse number six, he stayed where he was two more days. He did exactly what you would not expect him to do. This is how you know that the Gospels are real historical events because of the stories like this. If you were writing a fiction to convince people that Jesus was who he said he was, you wouldn't write this. Everything about this is wrong and somewhat infuriating. Lazarus is sick and Jesus seemingly does nothing for two days. And you felt like that in your life. You ever feel like that? God, help me, I need a job. Help. Hello, God, please, God, I'll go to church. I will send my kids to the mission field, right? Wherever, whatever you want, God, whatever you want, I just need to hear from you. And nothing, nothing. 
And after two days of, of, of inactivity, two days of Mary and Martha suffering, two days of while Mary and Martha watched their brother die, two days of Mary watching Lazarus while Martha watched the road to see if Jesus was coming and asking everyone coming from Jesus' direction along the way, have you seen Jesus? And it says, and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Now, see, Judea is close to Bethany and not a good place for Jesus to go. And the, and the disciples remind them of this. They say, you know what? This is where we went before in verse number, uh, number eight. And we were almost stoned. And so they are, they're not, they are now going back to this, to this trouble. So they are very reluctant because if they want to stone Jesus, they want to stone the disciples, Right? And Jesus teaches them a lesson, but they still don't get it. And, and at the end of the lesson, Thomas is like Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh. Well, let's go and die with them, I guess. You can hear that, right? Just kind of gives into it. And after he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, will he get better? And Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. And you see that friction again. They're just not getting the lessons and the moments that Jesus is talking about. And he's telling a bigger picture here. This, this is not just a moment. He's, he's, he's displaying in front of them a bigger picture. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead by. <laughs> you know? You know, like, oh, let's go on. He, he's dead. He, he just plainly tells them. And, 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 and they're kind of like, you know he's dead? There is all this confusion. Martha and Mary and Lazarus, the ones you love, you knew he was dead and we stayed here? And it says, for your sake, I am glad I was not there. And I want to raise my hand and go, what about for Lazarus' sake? What about me? And this is so important. I want you to follow this. Jesus looks at all the disciples that he's going to hand this whole gospel thing over to in a very short period of time. They, they are the people who are afraid, the disciples. They, they're terrified at sea. They're denying him, unsure about who Jesus is. It's, it says, for your sake, I am glad I wasn't there, and I'm glad Mary and Martha went through all of this, this disappointment, this mystery around this story, because I have something bigger so major and so overarching that I want your, you to witness that I'm willing for some pain in this moment. Is it possible that God grows our faith between the pain of now and the answer to our prayer? And if we misinterpret this, we will feel like God is doing something to me, right? Not in me. It will feel like this moment of pain is my total existence. He says, for your sake I was not there. And then this little Greek word that is translated into two English words, so that. It's called a, a henoclause in the Greek, which means now I'm going to give you the reason. I'm, go I'm going to let you in on what is going, really going on here. And you know why I'm glad I wasn't there? You want to know why I delayed on answering your prayer, Martha? Why I let your heart to be broken and your faith to turn to ashes so that you may, what's this word, believe? Hmm. So what you're saying, you're, you're telling me is in your economy, God, that belief is more important than my pain? 
So you are telling me that you would allow Martha and Mary go through this to teach us a lesson about growing in our faith? So you're telling me that, that what you are doing is something bigger than what I'm feeling right now? Is that what you're saying? Believing. And this is really a, a dramatic moment in the life of Jesus and a huge moment for the disciples and for you and I in this moment. Jesus sets this moment up in, in this John 11 so that we would know that one of the main ingredients in growing uh, in our faith is trusting God when God doesn't answer the way we want our prayers to be answered. I didn't expect you to say amen then. You see, God is doing something in you, not to you. And if you've lived long enough, and if you experience pain long enough, if you've ever experienced an unexpected uh, thing going on in your life, you know what that means. The struggle between trying to figure out what God is doing in you because he feels like it's an affront to you. You hear what I'm saying? And Martha sees Jesus coming down the road days later and she comes running to Jesus and falls at his feet and says, what you have said to God so many times, and if, even if you're a Christian or not, you've said this in one form or another. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Can you be a Christian and even say that? Uh, Jesus, this is your fault? Four days and 20 miles late? Jesus, I've seen you heal strangers, and I've seen you heal people that weren't even next to you. Jesus, I have seen you heal people that were undeserving in my mind. Martha could be saying. And you wouldn't come to heal your friend? If you had been here... If you had been here, if you would have shown up, if you would have done this, then I wouldn't have felt this. What's worse than watching Lazarus die, Martha says, and Mary, I had to watch it knowing you were not coming. That's tough, isn't it? But I know means trust. That even now God will give you whatever you ask. She's standing in front of, of a man, as broken as she is, as angry as, as she is, she says, here's what I know. I believe that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, I know he will rise again. I know that when we all meet you and, and you come and, you know, and we all meet in heaven, he's going to rise. I get that, but what about now? And she knows that she will see him again someday. But look what he says here. Here in this moment, we find out that Jesus isn't just a good teacher because good teachers don't say this. I am the resurrection and the life. What a claim. He's saying, you're, you're right that God will give me whatever I ask, but it's bigger than that. You're right, I'm a teacher that comes from God, but it's even bigger than that. You are right that I am a healer and I couldn't have, I could have saved your brother, but it's bigger than that. And she is standing out there with Jesus. Her brother is dead. She is using the if and then language, right? If you... If, if you had been here. Oh... Man, I had so many plans for this. I had, you know, I had people expecting God, Jesus, that you were going to show up because you did it before. You showed up before and you healed the blind man. As a matter of fact, you spit in the dirt and you rubbed it in his eyes. You healed a centurion's a servant. You didn't even go there. And I had everybody expecting. I had the crowd with me and you didn't show up. If you then, if you then. Right? The language that we use all the time. 
And we get stuck between the if and thens, don't we? In our faith with God, if God, if, if, if you... If you would only did, if you did only allow this moment, then I wouldn't have experienced this. If only if 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 and then if and then if and then, we know that language. But Jesus says, "I love this. I didn't want to heal him. I want I wanted him to die to show you that even when I am not just, I'm I'm not just a healer. I, I, I'm I'm the resurrection." And I'm, I'm going to do it in a way that you will know that it could only be God. It is so much bigger than this moment. But for this, this moment for generations to come, even now in this moment, on February the 24th, I am personally, Jesus is saying, the embodiment, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, you can't make a statement like that without backing it up. Can you? That's, that's what this moment was all about. Who is Jesus? And Jesus says, I'm going to make a claim that I haven't made until now. You are looking at the resurrection. You are looking at life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing will, will never die. Do you believe this? Do you know that in the Greek there is not a word for trust, just the word belief and faith? So when John wrote this, he was saying it was more than just believe that. He knew, was, he, he knew it was more than believing about. So he combines this Greek word with a little preposition in. It's one of the, the first times it's used in the Greek. It says believe in, and it means trust. Trust. Anyone who puts their trust in me will live, even though they die. Then he says to her, do you believe this? In the middle of, of, of maybe misinterpreting what I'm about to do in your life, in the middle of an unanswered prayer, you, you expect a God to show up in this way to heal your brother. In the middle of this, do you believe this? See, Jesus has a bigger picture than just this moment. Bigger than Mary, bigger than Martha. Jesus is saying, world, this is about your faith, your confidence in me, and the things I, will, I would go through to grow your faith. You see, our faith is that important to God that he will place us in moments where we cannot understand to grow our faith in a God who sees the bigger picture. He will. And see, the, the preeminent way we trust God is, I believe and I trust even though I don't understand everything that's going on right now. I still trust. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. She's saying this even though he let her brother die. She believes that even though he didn't come. She believed that even though he didn't answer her prayer. She believed that even though she was ridiculed by others, even though her faith is at an all-time low, she trusted. And she goes to his grave, and they bring him out and stand him out there with all the mourners. And it says a, 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 a few words that we gloss over. It says, Jesus wept. It's a verse that you used in Sunday school when you were asked to memorize a verse, right? Come on now. I know. So proud of yourself. But there's so much meaning to this. There's so much meaning. Jesus wept. 
This, this is so much, has so much meaning for us than you realize. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Oh, and that's sweet. You know, they, they, they knew each other. He was his cousin's mother's uncle's sister's brother. You know, they're related. You know? Oh, he, and they, 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 they interpret the moment that Jesus was just in on this moment of his death. Like, I'm sad that he had died. And this is important to us. Instead of rushing in there and doing a miracle, Jesus pauses and feels exactly what Mary and Martha are feeling. Exactly what you have felt when you have stood by the grave of loved ones. Exactly what you have felt when God didn't come through. Exactly what you have felt when your kids didn't turn out the way you thought. How we have all felt when we have trusted and believed and it seemed Jesus isn't doing anything. He's doing something to me, not in me. We feel that. And Jesus pauses to say to, to you and me, I know how it feels. And he does the strangest thing. He has them remove the tomb and they remind, the, remind him that he's been dead four days by. You didn't just miss it by a few hours. You really missed it. You blew it, Jesus. And I love how the King James says it. Lord, by this time, he stinketh. That just pretty much puts it all in perspective, right? Imagine the drama. He does the strangest thing. Remember this moment is not just for their benefit, but for ours in this moment. In this moment when we think God is on vacation in the middle of our faith, when the answer isn't coming like we thought, when our trust is weak, when following Jesus and growing in our faith is tough, he says, Lazarus, come out. And the Bible says, Mary and Martha say, you know, the Bible says, and Mary and Martha says, and eyewitness say, he came out alive. If there were ever a doubt that Jesus is the resurrection, all that doubt was put to rest. And verse 45 says, Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Jesus allowed this moment in Mary's and Martha's life to prove that in the middle of your pivotal moments in the middle of your circumstances in order to show a connection between your circumstances and the development of your faith. Your trust in God is so important that God will use circumstances in our life to grow our faith. The difference between people who lean into God in the middle of pain and away from God in the middle of pain, the difference is the people they surround are surrounded by. Because in moments when God is a disappointment, that's the time when we need a group of people, a small group where people surround us and frame the question differently and interpret the questions differently. But separated from the stories of faith, from testimonies of how God shows up, and when God, when God shows up, if we're not careful, the same pain that can grow our faith can destroy our faith. You hear me? Think of that person that God brought into your life or that small group that you are a part of here at Bethesda. And think about that pivotal moment that you went through and how godly people reframe your pain because your misinterpretation of it. And because they had the ability to reframe it because they had gone through it themselves. And they are on the other end of it and they're saying, just hold on now. God has a bigger picture. The pain is real. 
The moment is real. What you're feeling is real. But I've been there. What a powerful moment. That is why we invest and create moments for you to go from rows to circles in small groups. So we, that's why we say doing life together. Because of those moments. Growing together. It's people who come along and say, let me reframe the pain for you. Not in an attempt to excuse God, because tragedy and pain is a part of the story. As the band returns, in John 11, it's tragedy and pain. Jesus showed up on purpose to show the connection between trust, our trust in him in spite of pain, and unavoidable suffering. See, that's a part of the world, because sin is in the world. I love what Philip Yancey says. There is only one thing worse than being disappointed with God. And that is disappointment without God. So in the middle of our growing in our faith, in the middle of our circumstances, God can leverage your moment to do something in you and through you. And not only do we face pain in the middle of following Jesus, we learned that in the first part of our series, Jesus, but, but circumstances are the ingredient by which our faith grows. And when you feel like God is doing something to you, you are liable to lose faith. But when you begin to understand that God is doing something in you so that you, he can do something through you, we will be those people who emerge on the other side of pain with greater faith. And if you are in the middle of the pain in your life, and here's my advice, would you add a prayer to it? Would you stand with me all over this room? Would you add a prayer to your life? And it's this, very simple, easy to remember. I need to see you in this. I need to see you in this. God, what are you saying to me in this? If it is true that you're trying to do something in me and you're not doing something to me, I need to see that. I need to see it. And what is God saying to you? Because I want to emerge with bigger faith, not less faith. Your pain and suffering are not the exception. They are part of the story, and Jesus makes it all too clear that it is that it is important part of your story. And just as our Heavenly Father leveraged the greatest crime in all of history, which is the crucifixion, as a reference point for our faith and our salvation. In the same way, he will use our deepest pain and our darkest moments to grow our faith. So God uses pivotal circumstances in your life to grow our faith in him. What's he saying to you today? God saying to you in this moment. In the middle of what you are facing in your life. And the other story in this is how you can be a blessing and a testimony to that person that's going through that. And see, some of you have either done one of two things. You've, you've, you've taken what God is saying this morning and said, well, that's really not for me because it's, go it's going to be for you. Because like one pastor said, you're either going into a trial or in the middle of a trial or coming out of one. 
And the other thing is that you've shut the door in your life, that door, that thing that you have not dealt with, maybe someone's done to you. And you're saying that pain is just way too much. And God is saying, I want you to open the door. I want you to see me in the middle of this pain. I want, to see, I want you to see what God, I can do in and through you if you would just allow me. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in learning more about our church community, please visit our website, Bethesda.ca, and consider joining us for a gathering soon.